This morning we are finishing off our teaching series that we've called Blah, Blah, Blah. We've been talking about words and how our world is full of words. The thousands and thousands of words that we hear every day. The thousands and thousands of words that we say every day. The thousands and thousands of words that some of you text every day. How many text? Usually our our texts are short, but some of you just keep texting. So uh, texting is actually very dangerous. Uh, Here's a text that I I sent this week. Uh, We constructed our stage and I talked to Andy Waynes about coming in and doing some some painting on the stage. And I said, hi, Andy, this is Darcy. I had to say this is Darcy because I didn't know if if I was in his contact list, so he wouldn't have known who this was from. But uh, are you able to paint the stage in Friday morning? It should have been on Friday morning. (laughs) Worship rehearsal is scheduled for Saturday morning, so there will be fear in the stage at that point. (laughs) There will be fear in the stage. Now, I wasn't here for worship rehearsal yesterday, and I'm not sure how much fear there was, but uh, what I meant to say, and and what Andy finally figured out what I was trying to say, is not there will be gear on the stage, not fear in the stage. And so we had to get the stage painted before all this gear got on the stage. But uh, Andy said, you know, fear and gear are almost the same word, but they mean very different things. And so the words that you choose are important. The words that you use are important. Your words have power. You know, we think that our, our words so often are just kind of blah, 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 blah. But, but the words you speak shape the life you live. They really do. So we started off talking um, in this series about how from the beginning of time, words have been the tools that carry the power to create reality. God spoke the world into existence. And in in some small measure, he's given that that same spark of creativity to us in the words that we use. Words have the power to create. Your words in many ways create your life. Your words create the life of those around you. Then Pastor Dallas preached a great message last week about the words that we say to others and, and how our words to others reflect our hearts. That what's in our heart is what determines what we say and how God wants to bring healing to our heart. And it was a, it was a powerful message. And if you missed it last week, I encourage you to, to get online on our website or listen to the podcast. You can watch it on video. And, and uh, just really, really powerful how God wants to, to bring healing to our hearts so that we can speak healthy words to others. Well, this morning, we're going to wrap up this series by talking about the words that we say to ourselves. Do you know that you talk to yourself? I remember being at a bus stop in Vancouver, and this was a number of years ago, and uh, there was a guy in the bus stop sitting just down from me that was having a very animated conversation with himself. 
Uh, you know, he'd say a few words. Then he'd pause and then he'd say a few more. And in fact, as the conversation went on, the more animated he became. Uh, he actually started to be quite disgusted and to argue. And of course, I'm just kind of watching him out. Of, I mean, you see all kinds of things when you're in the city, right? You know, and so I'm just kind of watching him out of the corner of my eye. And finally the bus came and, and he got on my bus. And so he gets on the bus and he's still talking as he's getting on the bus. And I'm just kind of watching him. And then when he sits down, I realized that in the ear that I could not see, he had one of these newfangled Bluetooth devices. And so he was actually having a conversation, not with himself, but with somebody else. And so I learned something that day. When you get caught talking out loud to yourself, all you need to do is just kind of put your hand up to your ear and mouth, Bluetooth, Bluetooth. It's not always what it seems. Because, you know, we all talk to ourselves all the time. Sometimes out loud, sometimes too much, Bev. We got to lower it down. But we talk out loud, we talk to ourselves. And whether we realize it or not, we talk to ourselves through the thoughts that we think. So it's not necessarily out loud, but it's through the thoughts that we have. And I don't know about you, but I have this running conversation going on in my head all day. There's, there's, this, there's this dialogue that, that's happening all day long. Am I the only one? I mean, I hear voices in my head. And the voice that I hear is, I hear, saw somebody kind of pointing at their wife. Uh, no, the voice that I, I, I hear in my head is, is not my wife. The voice that I, I hear is my own because I usually hear my thoughts as words. And I end up talking to myself almost as if I was another person. And, and some of you are sitting there going, that's crazy. And if you heard those words, it just proves my point. You're talking to yourself too. But what we often don't understand is that you and I are made or unmade by our thoughts. We're made or we're unmade by our thoughts. Day after day, month after month, year after year, our thoughts have incredible influence, incredible power in our lives. So much so that, that situations and circumstances that we perceive as happening to us are actually often happening because of us. We think it's just happening, but you know what? We've had a role in it happening. And, and the words we say to ourselves in the form of our thoughts do more to shape our lives and to shape our world than we realize because it becomes the script that we act out. It becomes the script for our lives. Have you ever heard that, the saying, you reap what you sow? Have you heard that? It's a farming principle that says, you know, your harvest depends on the seeds that you plant. And it's actually a biblical principle that, that applies to, to many areas 
of our lives. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to his friends in what is now northern Turkey, in, in what is called Galatia, put it like this. He said, I don't mean misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So you're going to reap what you sow. And those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So, so Paul's applying this, this sowing and reaping principle. And he's saying, you know, if you plant sinful seeds in your life, you're going to reap a harvest of sin. You're going to reap a harvest of death. But if you plant um, seeds of godliness, you're going to, to reap a harvest of godliness. You're, you're going to reap a harvest of goodness in your life because that's the principle of the harvest. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Now, that's not to say that if bad stuff happens to you, it's because you've sinned. You know, that's not just to say that you're just reaping the consequences through everything. You know, there is more at play in our lives and, and in our world, okay? We're not just talking karma here where, where everything, you know, has got this, this, this result and, the, and this confident, uh, consequence. In fact, uh, the good news is, is that because of God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness, we don't harvest everything we plant. Thank the Lord for that. But the general principle is true. And it applies to many areas of our lives. You reap what you sow. It's true in the area of generosity. You sow generosity, you're going to reap generosity. It's true in the way that you treat others. If you treat others with integrity and with respect and with kindness, you're going to reap what you sow. And it's also true in the words that you and I say to ourselves. You reap what you sow. In fact, it's, it's like your thoughts act as instructions to your brain. As soon as the thoughts come through, your brain actually kind of goes to work to turn them into reality. You plant the seeds of a thought and your brain gets busy growing the crop. Henry Ford had a great line about this principle. He said it this way, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And I don't know if Ford was, was a follower of Jesus, but uh, you know he was just applying this, this principle of the harvest. You reap what you sow. And it's amazing how often our thoughts become self-fulfilling prophecies. Ralph Waldo Emerson, I, I don't think was a follower of Jesus, but my dad used to, to quote him on, on this, and I think it's, it's, it's good. He says, sow a thought and you reap an action. So an act and you reap a habit. So a habit, you reap a character. So a character and you reap a destiny. But it all starts with a thought. In fact, this morning after the first service, someone gave me this note and it says, your sermon reminded me of someone. A friend asked her what happened that led to her divorce and she answered, well, we would argue then one time I thought, divorce him. 
says, I was shocked when I thought the word divorce, but I thought it until it felt normal. And then I said it during one quarrel, same reaction, shocked that I said it out loud. And then it became part of every argument until my husband agreed. So they never really planned it. It just kind of happened. You sow a thought, you reap a result. Our words have power. Our thoughts have power to shape the course of our lives. One of the most important things that we can do, friends, is think better thoughts. We need to learn how to think. We need to learn how to, to, to work on what goes on between our ears to, to understand that they're not just thoughts that have no consequences, but the, the, the stuff that we're processing and the stuff that's working through kind of behind our, our, our eyeballs, so to speak, actually has consequences and and important ramifications for, for how our lives are going to play out and, and how we're actually going to experience the world around us. And so we need to think better thoughts. So, so let's spend some time talking about how we can uh, change the way that we think. What are some practical things that we can do to change the way that we think? Because our lives are so impacted by our thoughts. So where do we start? I think number one is simply this. We need to begin to listen to what we hear ourselves saying. We need to listen to what we hear ourselves saying. Not just listen to ourselves, but to listen to what we're saying about ourselves or to listen, kind of step back, to become aware of the script, to become aware of the internal dialogue that is constantly running in our heads. You know, so often we just kind of let our thoughts run on autopilot. We're not thinking about what we're thinking, are we? You know, we're just trying to get through our day. We're, we're just trying to get on with life and, and we've got these thoughts kind of going on in the background that are, that are playing there and, and we're just kind of living life. But have you ever stopped just to kind of think about what you're thinking about? Dr. David Murray is a pastor that gives a helpful list of ways that our thinking can go sideways. Because our thinking often goes sideways when you actually take the time to think about what you're thinking about. And he says, you know, one of the ways that, that our thinking goes sideways is, is we generalize. We generalize about what we perceive is, is happening to us. And so something happens to us and we think, well, you know what? That always happens to me. And that's the way it's always going to be. You know, you, you ask that girl out on the date and she says no. And, and you know, you just kind of think, well, that's it. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. You know, based on, on one event or, or maybe several events, we just kind of extrapolate that out over our lives and we think that's just the way it's going to be. Or you apply for that promotion at work and you don't get it and you begin to think, you know what, I'm always going to be stuck in this dead-end job. I'm always just going to be here. This, this is it. 
Or you invite someone to the singing Christmas tree or you invite somebody to Alpha and they say, well, yeah, I, I need to stay home and uh, uh, organize my Tupperware drawer. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and you come out of an experience like that, especially if it happens several times and you think, I am never going to do that again. I'm not going to do it. And we, we begin to use words like always and words like never, and we start applying them to ourselves, and we just kind of generalize the things that happen. That's one of the ways our thoughts go sideways. Another way is, is filtering. And what I mean by that is, is we tend to filter our thoughts, and some of us are very good at filtering out the positive and allowing the negative to go through. Some of us are just good at picking the negative needle out of the positive haystack. I mean, if, if there's something that could go wrong, you're the one that's going to think about it. You just had that gift of, of seeing the, the bad news, right? You know, the, the chili tastes delicious. But all you can think of while you're eating is that I'm going to pay for this later. I'm going to have heartburn. You know, my husband's going to have gas. It's just like, you know, that's, you're just, you can't enjoy the moment because you're thinking of all the bad stuff that, that, that is inevitably going to happen. You're, you're filtering. Or your kid comes home with, with, uh, with a test result from a school and they've got 90% on their test. And the first thing that comes to your, your mind and the first thing out of your mouth is, well, what happened to the other 10%? You know, you're You're filtering. You're, you're filtering the good out and you're allowing the bad. So that's, that's one of the ways our thoughts go sideways. Another way our, our thoughts go sideways is mind reading. Now, I know you never do this. <laughs> but that's where, where you know what the other person is thinking. Especially what they're thinking about you. Right? You know, Pastor Darcy didn't say hi to me in the foyer before church. That's because he doesn't like me. I know what he's thinking. He doesn't like me. That's why he didn't say hi to me. Well, no, Pastor Darcy was just trying to get to the washroom before second service started because <laughs> unlike you, I'm kind of stuck up here. I can't slip out if I need to. So there's just some things that got to happen before service starts. You know what I mean? But we mind read. We, we put words we put motives, we put ideas, you know, in other people's heads of what they're thinking about us. Personalizing is, is another way our, our thoughts go sideways. You know, thinking that everything that happens is all about us. We personalize everything. You're running late for work. You're hitting every red light and you're thinking, they knew I was coming. <laughs> they, I don't know how they know it, but they... This always happens to me. They program those lights just to, well, of course, that's silly, right? We all know that that's, or do we? <laughs> you know, we, we have these thoughts. We make it all about us. Actually, uh, I remember talking with a young person that was really struggling with their parents' divorce or her parents' divorce, and, and she really believed and was quite convinced that it was her fault because she had been a, well, she'd been a handful as a kid. She'd, she'd rebelled and she'd really put her parents through a lot. And she thought, you know, if I had just been a better kid, my parents wouldn't have gotten divorced. 
And we had to sit down with her and, and talk to her and help her understand that, you know, even if she would have been a perfect kid, her parents probably would have just found something else to argue about and fight about. And it wasn't actually all her fault. But we personalize it. We make it all about us. Another one is telescoping. Say, telescoping? What in the world is that? Well, that's where we take something that happened way back in our past and we look at it through a telescope. And what happens when you look at something through a telescope? It seems much closer than it actually is, right? So we've got something way back in our past that happened. It could have been something devastating. It could have been something uh, sinful. It could have been a mistake that we made. And we keep bringing that into our present that decision, that choice, that, that mistake that went sideways and it keeps popping up in our mind and in our heart and it brings guilt and it brings condemnation. It brings fear and we feel ashamed. And, and you know, even we can know that we're forgiven, but we, our mind just keeps going back to that thought. And every time we turn around, we're confronted with that thing. And we think, you know, I'm a failure. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. Because we're bringing something that happened way back then right into our present. You know, there's so many ways the thoughts we think can just go sideways on us. And those thoughts begin to shape who we are. They begin to, to shape our emotions and to shape our attitudes and to shape our, our understanding, and, and to, then to shape our behavior. We lie awake in the middle of the night all stressed and, and worried with these thoughts racing through our heads. But the good news is, friends, is we don't have to let our thoughts just run away on us. In fact, one of the main things that make us human beings that reflect the image of creator God is that we have the ability to think about our thoughts. We, we actually have this amazing ability to, to, to step back and to think about what we're thinking about, to actively pay attention to the soundtrack that's constantly playing in our heads. And friends, that's where we need to start. What are the words that you're saying to yourself? What are the thoughts that are, that are like on that, on that playlist in your head that just keep going around and going around? And, and you know what? You may need some help to identify this. You may need to have some good conversations with, with some mature friends, or you might need to go see a counselor. And, and that's great, friends. Counselors are gifts. They are skilled at helping us identify some of these unhealthy thought patterns that we have and getting us on the right track. But the good news is, is that we can actually change our thoughts. But it starts by listening to what you hear yourself saying. And once we listen to what we hear ourselves saying, we need to understand that we can actually choose what we think about. We can choose our thoughts. Let me give you three basic thoughts about thoughts real quick. Uh, number one, you can't always control the thoughts that pop into your head, but you can control what you do with them. You know, sometimes we get a thought and we think, where in the world did that thought come from? <laughs> you know, it just kind of popped in there. Well, just because it pops in there doesn't mean you have to keep thinking about it, right? Thought number two, 
Thoughts only have so much power. They only have as much power as you give them. The more you think a thought, the more powerful it will become. And that's not just a spiritual principle. That's, that's something coming out of neuroscience. Brain science uh, has shown that neurons that fire together, wire together. And so you think a certain thought and it creates a certain emotion and you think a certain thought and it creates a certain emotion and it becomes a super highway in your brain. It becomes a habit, a way of thinking, something that just becomes so easy to do. And the more you think a certain way, the more you will think a certain way. The third thought about thoughts. It's not a sin to have a wrong, negative, or tempting thought pass through your mind. Okay? It, it's, it's not a sin to have a wrong thought or a negative thought or a tempting thought. What we need to do is just learn to let it just keep going. Just to let it pass right on through. You know, that's not hard. Some of us are very good at allowing things we hear just go right on through. Husbands, you're practiced at it. We just need to apply this to some other areas of our lives, right? Because you can choose your thoughts. And, and sin comes when you indulge the thought. Sin comes when, when you dwell on it or, or when you choose to act on it. But the reality is, is that you can choose what you think about. And in fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, part of the process that the Holy Spirit is working in us is to help us choose what we think about. That's part of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. In fact, uh, Paul, when he wrote to the, the church in, in the city of Rome, in Romans chapter 12, he says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God wants to help you change the way you think. When God moves into the driver's seat of your heart, he begins to change us from the inside out. But friends, we've got to choose to let him do that. If God's going to be in the driver's seat, we, we've got to give him the, 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 the wheel. What, what's that, that old country song, Jesus Take the Wheel? <laughs> we've got to allow him to be in the driver's seat. And if God's in the driver's seat, he's going to change how we think. That's part of what he's going to do in his life. And as we say yes to what God is doing inside of us, he gives us the power to capture our thoughts and to learn to think differently. Now, I have to call a timeout here. This, is, this has all been really good. But I, I need to say something that is really, really important. So maybe just give a nudge to the person next to you and make sure they wake up for this part, okay? Because I need to take a moment and talk about the reality of depression and the impact that depression has on the ability to control our thoughts. Even as followers of Jesus, because there's a lot of misunderstanding about this, especially in the church. So depression is a physical illness that makes it very difficult, if not impossible, to control your thoughts. Depression, we need to understand, is a physical illness 
in an organ in your body. That organ is your brain. And it is something that will need either healing intervention from the Lord or medical treatment. And oftentimes, the Lord uses medical treatment to bring healing to this organ. Uh, Specifically, if it's a chemical imbalance in our brain, uh, because that can cause us to lose the ability to control our thoughts. It's called clinical depression. And the reality is, is that people dealing with depression can't shut their minds off from unwanted negative thoughts, even if they want to. There's just this this playlist in their mind that just keeps going. And and man, if you're having a, a bad day, it just keeps getting louder. It's like that internal iPod is stuck on repeats. And stuff just goes through your head like, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. Or things are never going to get better. There's no hope, there's no hope, there's no hope. Life sucks, life sucks, life sucks. And, and there's just this, this thing that's going on in the background that you can't get a grip on. A couple of years ago, we had Dr. Grant Mullen at Generations Church uh, to do a weekend on, on mental health uh, Dr. Grant is a wonderful follower of Jesus who's a medical doctor that for many years had a, a medical practice that specialized in, in mental health. And so when he was here, we, we asked him, you know, how do you know if somebody's depressed? How do you know if somebody specifically is, is clinically depressed? And he said, you know, the, the question that he always starts with is, you, is, can you stop the thoughts that are racing in your head? Can you stop the thoughts from racing through your head? And if you can't stop the thoughts, it's probably not a thinking issue. If you can't stop the thoughts, it's probably a health issue. And in fact, if you can't stop the thoughts, it's probably not a spiritual issue. And friends, too often we spiritualize these kind of things. We say, you know what, if you would just pray more, if you would just read the Bible more. And sometimes that is the worst thing that we can say to somebody because if they are struggling with clinical depression, if it is a health issue, they're not able to read the Bible. They're not able to pray because they've got so much other stuff that's going on in an organ in their brain. Part of what makes this so challenging is that as humans, we are integrated beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. And in fact, we're, we're so integrated that there's, there's debate, you know, theologians and, and, and people have this debate, you know, are we body, soul, and spirit, or are we body and soul, and the, and the soul functions as our spirit? You know, we don't really even understand it because it's so complicated, so integrated, we're so put together, and so often what happens in our body impacts what happens in our spirit and in our soul. What happens in our soul impacts what happens in our body. That's why the the proverb said, a cheerful heart does good like a medicine, right? You know, if if, if we have a good good heart, if if we're thinking healthy and we're thinking right, it can actually have a positive impact on our bodies. Well, friends, if your body is 
unwell. It's actually can have an impact on your soul. Your soul is your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And it can also have an impact on your spirit. It can, it can, it can pull you down. And so, so we need to understand that there is an interconnectedness. There is a, a, a relatedness. And what's happening in one part of us impacts the other part of us. And if that's where you're at, you need to understand that a physical illness needs medical treatment. And the good news is that it will respond to medical treatment. You know, just like I wear glasses to correct a medical condition so that I can see clearly, you may need help to correct a medical condition so that you can think clearly. And there's no shame in that. In fact, we need to get past the stigma that often we have had around these issues. God has blessed us with doctors. God has blessed us with counselors that can help us through these things. And of course we believe in prayer, and of course we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but friends, there needs to be an integrated holistic approach to these things. And then once the medical issues have been addressed, you and I need to understand that God wants us to learn and begin to practice good thinking. Yes, God wants to change the way that we think, but it's part of an overall picture. And it starts by learning to listen to yourself. It starts and continues by understanding that you can choose your thoughts. And then thirdly, we need to realize that we need to replace our old thinking with new thoughts. You know, psychologists tell us that you just can't get rid of an old, a bad habit, right? You've got to replace that, that habit with a new habit. I've talked with friends who have quit smoking and I was really surprised. He said, you know, one of the, the hardest things about quitting smoking is that I didn't know what to do with my hands. Because my hands were always busy, right? You know, you're lighting up, you're, you're holding a cigarette. And so they had to learn something else with their hands. And, and that's why a lot of people that quit smoking gain weight. Because not only do they lose the appetite suppressant of nicotine, but you've got to do something with your hands, right? And so often what we do with our hands then is fill them with nachos <laughs> or donuts or, or all these cookies, you know? And, and because we're just used to doing something. And so we take one habit and we replace it with another. It's the same with our thoughts. If we want to stop thinking a certain way, it's not just enough to stop thinking a certain way. We need to start thinking a new way. Now, one person said, your mind is kind of like a, a house with old furniture. The furniture is the way you think. It's the way you think about yourself, the way you think about others, the way you think about the world. Um, some of the old furniture in your house was handed down to you from your parents. Anybody start their, their, their life outside of home with some, some furniture you got from your parents or maybe you got from your great aunt or some of your friends and, uh, you know, it was old, but hey, you needed furniture. Uh, some of the furniture, the old furniture that we have in our house, we picked it up on the side of the road. You have driven around town and you, you see that, 
that couch sitting out there with a sign, free. You know, some of us, we were driving down the side, just, we, we live in a culture, right? And so we just kind of picked up stuff from our culture. It became the furniture in our house. So we've got this old furniture, the way that we think in our mental house. And we want to get rid of it. So, so we, we maybe get some help with some friends and, and, and we start hauling all this ugly old stuff out of our house into the garage. You know, all the unhealthy ways that we think, the, the negative self-talk, the, the mind reading, the generalizing, the, the filtering, the, the personalizing that we, we do, you know, all those, those bad thought habits, we start getting rid of those. And you know, we do that and the house begins to look good. It begins, man, it's so big. You know, that old couch is gone now so we can clean behind the old couch and we maybe get a new fresh coat of paint on there and we think, great, I've gotten rid of my old thoughts and got rid of my harmful ways of thinking about myself and my world and and we're feeling pretty good. But after a while, we get tired of sitting in an empty house, right? We've got no place to be comfortable. We've got no place to sit down. And so we're tired of standing around and we get thinking, you know, I, I know it's old and ugly, but there is a chair out in the garage. So we go out to the garage and we bring the chair back in. And then we go to make supper and we get thinking, man, we don't have a table. I need a table. I know where there's a table. There's an old table out in the garage. So we go out to the garage and we bring that old table back in. And then it comes bedtime and we realize we don't have a bed. We know where there's a bed. Out of the garage. So we go out to the garage and we bring that old bed back in. And so we end up filling our house back up with all of this old furniture. So uh, you see, you can take all the old furniture out of the house, but if you don't replace it with some new furniture, you're just going to drag the old furniture back in. You need to go down on Black Friday and go to the brick and get some new furniture. So as we begin to listen to our thoughts and become aware of that old furniture that's cluttering up our mental house, and as we understand that with God's help, we can choose to change the furniture, we actually then need to replace that old furniture, that old way of thinking with some new furniture. And Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. He says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about what Paul is implying in that verse. And he's saying, you actually have a choice about what you think about. He's saying you can, in fact, you should choose your thoughts. You should fix your thoughts on certain things. And and that's not to say again that you can control every thought that pops into your head, but you can decide what you do with them when they get there. And you can also deliberately choose what you will think about. Because friends, we're not just supposed to let our thoughts and our minds just wander around wherever they want to go. I mean, left unattended, your brain will wander into some very dangerous places. 
You know, we, we need to fix our minds in a certain way on certain thoughts. And, and Paul gives us some metrics. He gives us some criteria for what we think. And he lists eight ideas that need to become like a thought filter for healthy, godly thinking. And all of our thoughts should pass through this filter. And the thoughts that don't meet the criteria should get ejected. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true. So when a, when a thought wants to camp out in our brain, you know, we need to run it through the truth detector. Is this thought real? Does it, does it line up with, with reality? Does this thought line up with, with what God says, with what God's word says? Is this God's view of life? Is this God's view of me, of what's real? We need to run it through the honorable filter. Is, is it honorable? Is it decent? Is it noble? We need to run it through the, the right filter. You know, is it, is it righteous? Is it just? We need to run it through the purity filter. Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? And, and Paul was probably talking about moral purity. And friends, in, in our culture, this is such a huge issue. We live in such an impure world we don't even realize it. The, the sensuality and the sexuality that we are continually bombarded with through, through media and movies and, and the games that we play, you know, it's just kind of dulled our senses to what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable. And at some point, you know, we need to ask ourselves, you know, what are we, what are we feeding ourselves? We need to run it through the, through the, through the purity filter, In fact, sometimes I think we need to ask the tough question. Uh, in fact, we need to ask Jesus this question. We were sitting down to, to watch something. Um, we need to ask Jesus, Jesus, do you want to watch this? And if Jesus gets up and leaves the room, maybe we should too. Because friends, the thoughts that we think just like the words that we say set the direction for our life. The words that we say to ourselves, we need to take our words seriously. We need to speak carefully. We need to think intentionally. For the last three weeks, we've, we've made this our prayer. It's Psalm 19, verse 14. And it really sums up what we've been trying to say in this, in this series. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, what I think about, how I think about things, myself, my world, and friends, I have to be very honest with you. I'm preaching this sermon to me this morning because this is an area that I wrestle. It is so easy for me to get sidetracked down one of these unhealthy thinking patterns. I wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know about you, but it seems like the older I get, the more I wake up in the middle of the night. 
And it is so easy for my mind just to get racing about everything that is happening or, or needs to happening and things coming up and the to-do lists and the pressures of this and the pressures of that. And, and you can just get, I can just get myself in, in such a state that I can't get back to sleep. You know, the mind is just going. And I have learned that I need to wake up enough so that I can say two things. The first thing I need to say to myself is, it will be better in the morning. It will be better in the morning. And you know what? The stuff that I'm panicking about at 3 a.m. when I wake up at 6 or 7, they don't seem so bad because it's better in the morning. The other thing I have learned to do is to wake up enough to just say, Holy Spirit, you are with me. Holy Spirit, you are in me. Holy Spirit, you are with me. And every time my mind wants to go somewhere else, I say, Holy Spirit, you are with me. Holy Spirit, you are in me. And then I'll speak in tongues. Now, not out loud, because I don't want to wake up Aileen, but uh, you know, often in my mind, I will just begin to speak in tongues and just say, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to think about that stuff. I'm going to focus on you. You are with me. You are going to help me. The other day, I was, I was out for a walk and uh, again, just wrestling with some stuff and I, and, I, and I found my thoughts going a certain direction and you know, just about the future and Lord, where's this going and what's going to happen with, with a certain thing I was wrestling with and and, uh, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He just said, Darcy, I will take care of you. So simple. Darcy, I will take care of you. And so now I have a choice that when my mind starts to go there, am I going to think about those thoughts or am I going to think, no, no, Jesus, you said you will take care of me. I'm going to run it through the filter. I'm going to run it through the filter May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing. Would you, would you stand with me? Fact is, you're standing. Can we just say that, that verse from that Psalm 19 together? Let's say it together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you want to do in us. Lord, you're working on us. God, help us to think in a healthy way. Help us to think good thoughts, true thoughts, pure thoughts, honorable thoughts, thoughts of you and from you. Change the way that we think. God, change our self-talk. Lord, I pray for my friends here this morning that, that wrestle with the soundtrack that is constantly playing in the back of their, their minds. Lord, words that speak to their identity, words that speak to who they are. Lord, so much of what they say does not line up with what you say about them. And Holy Spirit, I pray that by your grace and by your love this morning, you would do a divine intervention, that you'd step into their hearts and that you would help them to understand that their thoughts are not your thoughts, and that you're going to empower them to change the way they think. Lord, we know for some that might be going to see a counselor or going to see a doctor. And Lord, thank you for the resources that you have blessed us with. But Jesus, may we understand that the words that we think, the thoughts that we have, determine the course of our lives. And so may we put a guard over our lips and a guard over our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.